It is Thursday, April 6th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who's navigating his way through his own personal amen corner, J.P. Shadrick. Thoughts and prayers. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday, and yes, it is April. We've got a busy hour ahead on Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, of course, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman right around the corner. We'll hear from Trevor Lawrence. He threw out a ceremonial first ball at the shrimp game the other night and spoke right after. We'll hear from the Jags quarterback, some contract restructuring going on for the Jags on defense, and a couple of signings on the offensive line. We'll start our prospect review, and we'll get into quarterbacks. No, the Jaguars are not in the market for a quarterback, but it is the big topic around the league. We'll get Log's thoughts on some of the top prospects, and we'll go around the National Football League. It's a tradition unlike almost any other. Jaguars Happy Hour <laughs> Thursday with Jeff Lagerman. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon. A tradition like no other. <laughs> yeah, like some others, but that's fine. And that tradition is, is that while we're doing the show, we have the Masters on the TV in the background. I, I so during a commercial, a, we can check it out. I tweeted a little earlier today, it's the most productive day in the office because nobody leaves the desk. They watch the feature groups on their la- on the on the computer right there. You don't have to leave. No, you're right. I, I, just, I just hope that the weather holds out. Because I know that there's rain in the forecast. They're talking about um, some a chance of rain tomorrow. Rain pretty much all day on Saturday, and then a chance of rain again on Sunday. So hopefully the uh, the golf gods will be smiling down at the Masters. It's interesting that you're this much into golf, considering I destroyed you at the company Christmas party. You did at Top Golf. You did. It wasn't even close. No. And you challenged me. To a duel. Absolutely. And I dominated you in front of everybody. Um, Literally everyone yeah, looked you, at you it. you won, but I will tell you yeah. the uh, the number one swing of all of our group was the none other than Patrick Cavanaugh. Oh, of course. I mean, that was like butter. I mean, executives play a lot of golf. I mean, that's what <laughs> happens, you know? I mean, no, I it was that. actually surprising. I mean, it was actually a surprisingly nice swing. Yeah. Um, but you compared to me. mine, which mine is herky jerky. I don't have a good golf swing. Yeah, it's all okay. over the place. Yours is not bad. Yeah, better than yours. Uh, worse than mine will be Joe Fortunato's golf swing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, so uh, me and Joe would should play against each other in golf. That'd be a better duel than you I against to, me because I, used, I dominated. you. I used to play a lot of golf. You used I did, to. I did. Yeah, I did when I was when I was younger. You ever have a hole in one? No, I've had one. Good for you. Yeah, when you didn't I was have kid. one. You didn't have one the other night. No, 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 no. You did I, not. I definitely did not. And uh, where, where I learned how to play golf, and you'll appreciate this. Oh, a little, I can't it's wait. a little caddyshackish. We had a a in, in the community I lived in, Sterling Park. We had the Sterling Park Golf Swim and Tennis Club, which was the bastion of everything if you were a kid. And when I say that, the uh, little league baseball games were played Everything's there. Everything's there. Sure. The swimming pools were there. Mm-hmm. High school football was played there. Little League baseball or football was it's played the place there. place to be. And we had a par three golf course, and it cost 50 cents to play unlimited rounds through the day. And you did not have a dress code. You could go out there and play in your bathing suits, bare feet, and and they had a pond, a couple ponds on the property. So if you ran out of balls, you went swimming. Uh, they got a pool and a pond. The pond's better the pond's for you. pond's good for you. That's, that's fine. <laughs> 
Let's get to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he was in a different sport earlier this week, not football, not golf, baseball. Uh. He threw out the ceremonial first pitch at the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, the AAA affiliate of the Miami Marlins, just a couple days ago in their home opener. And he brought a fastball a little high and inside to a right-handed hitter. But it would have been a strike if they'd have swung at it. And, uh, you know, I, I did over – I think I did 718 Suns games over mm-hmm. five years. I'd say that's a top-tier first pitch. I've seen some bad ones over the years. Uh, that one was close. He had to bring the heat. And we, after the fact, uh, he spoke with the media off on the third base side and explained the first pitch. I tried to get a little warm, a little high, but I was like, I got to throw hard. Like I said, if I didn't throw things for a living, I feel like I could have just lobbed it, but I had to at least throw with some heat. So. A little pressure on that. Throw. Yeah, a little pressure, a little nervous coming out, coming out of the tunnel. But no, it was awesome. I appreciate Jumbo Shrimp for having us out. I'm happy. I just didn't want to skip it in the dirt. So as the catcher caught it, you know, put a little bit on it. It wasn't a strike, but... So we can improve for next time. But. You didn't want to be the viral like short. No, pitch. I didn't want to be like 50 Cent when he sent it to the, the dugout over there. So yeah, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to short hop it. So uh, hey, well done, and it's good to see him out and about in the community. Is that allowed? Things. What's that? Contractually, can he throw a baseball? <laughs> well, I don't think he threw it at top speed. It's not like he reared back all the way. Well, I think he can throw a baseball and be fine. I threw out. A first pitch, I think, twice in my life. I mean, once, I think, going all the way back to the Suns, way back. So you did a, what year would that have been? Like mid nineties, ninety five, six, okay. something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, and then I threw one out at a high school game, and and I should have warmed up. I bounced that one. You, did you bounce the Suns one? I don't think I did. I think it got there, but it wasn't great. It was okay. kind of like Trevor's. It was it wasn't fast or anything. It was like a ooh, you know, like a. And one other note about Trevor's, by the way, he didn't go to the rubber. If I have one criticism, he didn't go all the way to the top of the mound. He shorted it. It, it, They had the little pad out there. I think he just stopped at the pad. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. I threw from the mound when I bounced it. I mean, and I bounced it good. I've never thrown one. I think I made it like halfway to the plate. It was embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) It's not ideal at all. I don't have, trust me, these shoulders have been operated on about five times, and they just don't oh, have anything excuse, left. The shoulder surgery excuse. Joe, what's your excuse? You threw a few uh, first pitches over your time in uh, Jacksonville did you, area Did you radio. make it? Made it every time, never bounced it. Really? Twice with the Suns, once with the Jackspos. Oh, wow. Back that Way back. Wow. Congratulations. Well done. I, I, have you I, ever – could, you make, could you make it? Oh, could I make it? Yeah. yeah I might not feel my – pinky finger or ring finger when I throw, but I, I can make it there. Okay, you yeah. sure? Yeah. You sure about that? I get that? it there, yeah. Okay, that sounds like a challenge. 60 feet, 6 inches. All right, we're going to have to pace it out, get a baseball, and see if you can make the throw. I can make the throw. I don't no, know okay, you, no warm-ups. I don't know if you can catch the throw. You need a warm-up or no warm-ups? I probably need to warm-up a little okay. bit. Okay. It's been a minute. Okay. Jaguars happy hour on 1010XL, Jaguars.com, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Logman. Well, that wasn't the only thing Trevor talked about after the first pitch. He mentioned a throwing session he recently had with Calvin Ridley. Some video of that has come out on at Jaguars on social media today, so you can check out some of that. But his most noteworthy comments were about tight end Evan Ingram, who has been franchise tagged, and he'll be back next year and maybe beyond. It's huge. I mean, obviously – that was a big, you know, priority for us this offseason. And um, so to have them back, at least for this year and hopefully longer moving forward, I mean, that's that's ideal. And just, 
you saw kind of what he did to our offense this last season and how he came on towards the end of the year. And um, I think we've really figured out, you know, how to use him the right way. And I think we've, we've kind of, he's helped us a ton and we've maximized what he can do. And just to keep building on that, there's still more out there for him. That's the exciting part is you look at his numbers and they were great and they were some of the best numbers for Jacksonville tight ends ever and for him. But I feel like he really didn't even catch on until the last back half of the season. So to look at having a full year of that, it's really exciting. It's sky's the limit and just for our offense too. Yeah, add on to, to what he did last year. I mean, that's, that's tough to do. Those numbers were huge. But uh, you bring Ridley in the mix on top of the other receivers who are already coming back. They had big numbers. And the sky's the limit, really, for this offense as a whole. Well, and I think it would be hard for Evan Ingram to surpass the numbers that he got this year, next year. But you yeah. still want to have the, the same kind of an impact. And what I mean by that is that your uh, the ability of you to be a threat in the offense will create opportunities for others. And when you add a guy of the caliber of Calvin Ridley, and you still have two other excellent wide wide receivers, and obviously uh, Kirk and uh, Zay uh, Jones and huh Zay Jones, yeah, and Zay. I mean, it's I mean, look, there's only one ball. To spread around, you can't spread around multiple balls. It's not know, like pregame so. warmups when four guys are throwing football. Yeah, you got to be multiple yeah. quarterbacks on a play. Yeah. So, uh, look, I think that uh, it's going to be important that the Jaguars, at some point, hopefully this offseason, can extend Evan Ingram before the deadline happens, so that you can get some cap flexibility. Number one, but then also kind of make plans accordingly for the future with him in those plans and. And look, the Jaguars, I would not be surprised if they went out and they drafted a tight end in here coming up with the draft. Just because tight ends are and can be a quarterback's best friend and a security blanket in a lot of cases because if you look at the relationship of the tight end and the quarterback, it's a closer throw. It's an easier throw. And those type of relationships when a quarterback gets in trouble sometimes can get him off of the or out of that groove or into the groove, so to speak, because it's making easy completions. And Evan Ingram's a good football player and love the way that he runs routes. But if you can also add another tight end that may be a little bit bigger, that has a little bit more blocking ability, but then also has some receiving ability. I mean, look, Doug Peterson loves tight ends. And if he's got two – he can be uh, really creative with two of them. And Manhurts, their blocking option is now gone. He was a free agent and is now at Denver, so he's out. Uh, they haven't re-signed Dan Arnold. Which, congratulations to Chris Manhurts. Right. I mean, he got a good deal with the Denver Broncos, and his skills are coveted because he is a very good blocker, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, and it was a pleasure having him in here with us That's this right. past he year. That's right. great. Uh, on this very show, and it was uh, fun to talk with him, and he's uh, very eloquent, and he understands the game, and he also understands the role that he can provide a football team, so I wish him nothing but the best. And we know Doug Peterson's history with the tight end position, too. It's not like they're going to leave it uh, short. They're going to supply that position group with as many bodies that are uh, as they can. That's well, and, and, I, and I like what they've done so far in free agency in that what they've been doing has been plugging some holes. And I think that's incredibly important because if you if you plug your holes in free agency, it's going to allow your football team to really hone in on what's the best player that they can get. Because the bottom line is you try to assemble as many great players regardless of position because that's how football teams continue to win and win and win. And so I think that uh, Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson are, are 
are doing a really good job so far this offseason, given some limited resources now because the reality is, is that the cap room is a little sparse. To that note, we'll come back in a moment, and the Jaguars have restructured a contract reportedly to give them some more cap space, and they've plugged another hole, maybe, on the offensive line. That's all coming up. The Jags are locked in for 2023. The thrill of a win and and electricity of the fans make game day at the bank an experience like no other. Join your friends, family, and fellow diehards and become a Jag season ticket member The fun is here at the bank, and you don't want to miss out. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000 and buy today. Rayshon Jenkins restructuring his deal. That's next on Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I envision it, man. That, that's, that's stuff I just uh, just think about um, all the time. You know, I always dream about making big plays, especially when my number is called. Uh, especially if my if my coaches have the trust to call my number on a play, I, I take that very personal. Um, so I, I would say I'm having a good season, man. And um, um, but that's what you're supposed to do when. When you, when you get brought into a team and, and, and supposed to change the culture, uh, you got to be one of those guys, especially you come in, um, uh, you know, if, if they went to go handpick you, you have to be one of the guys that help change the culture. That is Rayshon Jenkins, Jaguars safety near the end of the season. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman coming up. Quarterback prospects. Lagerman's been grinding on tape with some of the top players. We'll get to that in about 15 minutes now to the contract restructuring reportedly of – Rayshon Jenkins over the cap.com reporting that the Jags opened $5.1 million of cap space with the restructuring of his contract, converting just over $6 million of his salary into signing bonus. And it dropped the salary cap number from $10.5 million to $5.3 million. So that saves a little more space, gives him a little more cash in pocket. And uh, boy, what, what a stretch run he had. In the final four weeks especially, 38 tackles, a sack, two interceptions against Dallas, two tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. He also had 18 tackles in that Cowboys game. I mean, he was all over the field and turned it on the last month, month and a half of the season, really. Well, and he was the closer, right? I mean, he was yeah. closing the games out. And uh, you know, I, I love the way he plays the game. What, most importantly for me is that the energy that he plays the game with, how physical he is. And uh, I remember showing some of the plays in the Kansas City game, even though they lost that game, uh, how how physical he was in that game was just impressive. And uh, and I'm talking about the first matchup. And to me, that's what it's all about. I mean, you've got to be a dog, and you come to play every play, and that's what I appreciate most about Rayshon. The guys that show up to play every play, the teammates, the guys around the league see that, and they give a lot of respect to a player of that caliber because of the way he plays the game. Free agent that came in a couple years ago, too. I mean, it it is difficult to have so many successful free agent players. For whatever reason, they have come free. Well, he's been good. Right, and he's been really good. He's just one in the list of the the recent free agents that have come in the last couple years that have contributed in a big way. Well, and and he pairs well with Andre Sisco. 
I, mean, yeah, I think, you know, it's great to have a, a veteran guy and then also a, a young guy that's developing you know, really right in the front of our eyes. And I think we're going to see a big jump out of Andre Cisco this year coming up. But that's what you'd like to have. You like to have that kind of that mix of a little bit of youth and then also a guy that's got some experience. And I, I like that. And if you can find a way to do that at multiple positions around where you have veteran guys helping the younger players along, and I don't want to say grooming them, but, but just helping them along, that's a great situation to have. It's, it's kind of having, I don't want to say it's an extra coach, but it's kind of a mentor to teach young players how to play the game and how to be a pro because it's a very different atmosphere at this level than it is at the college level. And to hear it from a player is a lot of times more impactful than hearing it from a coach. It's amazing, JP, how sometimes the coach can speak it a hundred (laughs) times and it just goes right through the ears. And sometimes when a player is telling you the exact same thing, a teammate, it it gets learned, it gets heard, it gets, uh, you know – documented and, and put away in the file system of, of a young player's brain, and that's that's what you want. It adds to, uh, obviously, the, the corner or the, uh, the secondary for this Jaguars team. You mentioned the safeties, but you got Tyson Campbell outside at corner. you got Darius Williams outside at corner. They've got Trey Herndon back. We'll see what happens if they draft a corner as well. Oh, so, they're going to draft a corner, you think so? JP, oh, yeah. Yeah, they've, they're – by no means are they happy with where they are at corner would be my guess. I think they like some of their players that they have, but this is a three-corner game, and they were struggling last year to find three guys and to get them comfortable and get them playing well. Now they did a, a better job towards the tail end of the year than they were doing earlier in the year. And then you know they had some injuries last year with Shaq Griffin, and then he went on IR. So that obviously changed a lot of things. But that's a position of need for this football team. I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted one in round one. Mm. Wouldn't be surprised if they drafted another one in round three or four. I mean, that's a that's a premium position. Well, next week when we go position by position, your preview. Next week we'll do corners. How That's about fine that? with me? We got quarterbacks coming up at about did uh, you 10 see, minutes or so. Did you see? And I, I, I can't can't remember exactly who. I think it might have been Mel Kiper. One of the draft analysts said That's that your guy. Yeah, he's one of my he's my your, best buddy. Your guy, my Kiber. best buddy. Yeah, That's, we're 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 tight. Yeah, right, we're tight. Right. We uh, we developed friendship back in 1989. I figured, yeah, and we've been tight ever since. Yeah. But I think it was Hammer, it was one of the other guys that uh, talked about the number of corners that could get drafted this year could be a record high really? in draft history because that's how deep the talent pool is for corner, which for this football team, that bodes well. If you have an area that you need to improve upon and that's one of the deepest areas in the draft, that's awesome. And hopefully the Jaguars will be uh, in a position to where the rating ends up kind of marrying with where the Jaguars are picking at. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XLM and Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. The Jags this week have signed a pair of offensive linemen. Chandler Brewer was an undrafted free agent by the Rams in 2019. And they've also signed... Josh Wells. Wellsy. That's right. A 2014 undrafted free agent by the Jaguars out of James Madison. Was here from 14 through 18 with the Jags. Then on to the Buccaneers. Won a Super Bowl ring there. 
swing tackle because, you know, he's uh, what? He's the same year same year as Tyler Shatley. They're best friends. They yeah, live came a few, in together. They live a few doors down in the same neighborhood. I mean, it's Both it's undrafted. And they're both back. They're both still here. It's amazing. Yeah, look, uh, I'm, I'm glad to have Wellesley back. He's, uh, he's a good guy. And uh, he's going to – we actually talked about it last week. Remember, uh, or in the last couple of weeks, it might have been that uh, when I were talking about position of needs that this football team, I had swing tackles a top five need. Mm-hmm. And, well, here you go. You got Wellesy, and he's got experience. He can play left. He can play right. And, uh, and he loves Jacksonville. And so it, it's good to have a f- familiar face back and also – a guy that uh, probably was just as excited to have him as the team was to get him. Yeah, I think he's excited to be back in the – I mean, they never really left. Their house was here anyway, I think. So yeah. him and the family. He's already, all of a sudden has three kids. He left with uh, one very small child and then came back with three kids and a Super Bowl ring. Well, and he, Look, he's uh, he's been a, a valuable backup in Tampa and actually got uh, a number of starts there. He had a little bit of a problem staying healthy early in his career, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's just part of playing football. Sometimes it's hard to, to stay healthy. But I like Wellesley, and, it, and it's good to have him back. The tackle situation otherwise. Cam Robinson, Walker Little, Juwan Taylor's now with the Chiefs playing left tackle, of all things. So um, where does this – That'll be interesting. Is that what it's going to be? That'll be interesting to watch, you know, with, yeah. with Juwan Taylor. Will he be a left tackle? They said he would be. Oh, I know, you know, but again, where does that leave this Jaguars tackle room, though? Walker is he the is he going to be the right tackle? Well, the, the Cam and Walker are going to be your tackles. Okay. I don't I don't know who's going to be left, who's going to be right. I mean, you would think maybe that it's Cam left and Walker right, just because Cam's been at left longer. But you know, um, I, I said this before: you need to do what's best for the football team in the long run. When I say long run. The objective is to get to the playoffs and to be playing your best football as you're going into the playoffs. So if the tackle combination is Cam at left and Walker at right, and that's the best combination, when you get to the last week of the season and you get going into the playoffs, you know, and that's obviously assuming you're going into the playoffs, then okay, that's the best option. If the best option long-term is to be going into the playoffs with Walker Little left and Cam at right, then so be it. Then then do what's best for the football team so that you can be at your best when you're going in the playoffs. It's not about being at your best week one or week two or week three. It's about the playoffs and making sure you get there and that you're playing the best ball there. But that's going to be interesting. I think that's going to be – and maybe Phil Rauscher and Doug Peterson and – and all the offensive minds have said Cam's going to be left and Walker's going to be right. I don't know, but uh, we will see. And they're not going to tell us anytime soon. No, no, they're not going to come knocking on my door and be like, "Hey, by the way, hey JP, what do you think?" No, no, not at all. If 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 you were asked seriously, what and you you had to make the decision, Cam at left, Walker at right, or Cam at right and Walker at left. What would you do? I think I would stick, this is me, with the status quo of most of the season with Cam Robinson at left. Because that's what you paid him for. That's what he's always been. I don't think he really ever played right tackle. So he's your guy. He was the reason you paid him all that money is to play left tackle. That's my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. I I think – and now you start moving him around, then it's like, you know. I see. You know what I I love about Cam? 
Yeah. He's big, physical, strong, finishes. He's sure. I think he's a really good run blocker. If you kind of looked at the build of him and, and that style of football that he plays, it's right probably right. It, it probably relates a little more you know, to Walker's, right. uh, you know, not quite as physical as Cam. His, his footwork, I think, is – yeah, I think over in the long run will be a little bit better than Cam because Cam struggled a little bit, even though Phil Rosher has done amazing things with Cam's footwork. But uh, yeah, it, uh, but it's a, that's an interesting question. Question we'll start finding out uh, here in a little while when the offseason program gets underway. Just what, two weeks away when the offseason program, they can come in and work out and do all that stuff. Yeah, uh, April 17th yeah. is when they can start. That's like um, a week from Monday, or two weeks from Monday. Yeah, not far. No, no, two uh, a week from Monday. And when's the draft? <laughs> it's three weeks from today. Is it really? Three weeks. Wow, amazing. That's uh, awesome. And speaking of coming up, Daly's Place kicking off another unforgettable season, April fourteenth. That's a week from tomorrow. With country superstar Kenny Chesney, best uh, Kenny Chesney song. Go. I have no idea. I, I like all of his stuff. He's good. She thinks my tractor's sexy. Yeah, That's the best. good one. Yeah, yeah, good one. That's a good. One. The good stuff is another one. Kind of a tearjerker. Tearjerker. I'm not yeah. big into country tearjerkers. JP. No, no. I thought that'd be right up your alley. No. Something for everyone at Daly's Place, though. Old Dominion, Tedeschi Trucks Band, Yellow Card, Wu-Tang Clan, and much more for a full list of shows. And to get tickets, visit Daly'sPlace.com. Are we getting the couch from Baselli for that show? I thought we were talking about that for Chesney. I don't know if he's going to give it up to you. Probably not. When, probably what's not. the date? Uh, a week from tomorrow, 14th. It's a oh. pretty penny, probably. I'm ah, sure it's sold oh. out quick. Hmm. Interesting. Coming up, Jags are not in the quarterback market in the draft, but a lot of teams are. Jeff Lagerman's top prospect breakdown begins next on Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. and Fat Tony. Jaguars today. All Jaguars, all NFL, all the time. 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman, 1010 AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The podcast is available on the free iHeartRadio app. Search Jacksonville Jaguars or... Download the official Jaguars Podcast Network. I guess subscribe is the proper term, not download. Mm-hmm. You can download podcasts when you subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Got it. Got it? Got it. Good. That's uh, Jeff Lagerman. I'm J.P. Shadrick. And, uh, you know, the best part about this upcoming NFL draft is that I haven't thought about it really all offseason. The Jaguars have the 24th <laughs> overall pick, which is fantastic. You know, at some point in the next few weeks, we're going to start thinking about it, and that that point is right now. So this begins your weekly prospect previews. Next week, we've already said is going to be cornerbacks, correct? But with cons- a C, with a C, this is quarterbacks with a Q. And you might ask yourself, you know, self, why quarterbacks for the Jaguars? Well, not for the Jaguars. Jaguars have quarterback rooms set up, correct? They're in pretty good shape there. Yeah, but you got to look at the division. And there's a couple teams that need a quarterback, which are more than likely to draft one in this upcoming draft, which has a direct effect on the Jaguars. And so 
uh, with Houston with the number two overall, Indianapolis with the number four overall, I believe. Um, there surely is going to be a couple of these guys that's going to be in the AFC South. So, And you have to confirm, is that the fourth, uh, the Indianapolis one? But anyway, what's exciting about us is that we're not all over the draft for the last month and a half because for us, the draft has always been the area of hope for us. Uh, we, we have won a lot of <laughs> off-seasons, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know, you – you, you get a bunch of guys in free agency, and we're going to get this oh, team better with the draft. All and, these draft picks. And then when you, when you come off of a season that was exciting as what we were able to witness, and you have a, what you believe is the coach and the quarterback, and you've got some talent in place, and you expect to add more in the, in the draft, but you just don't get overly excited about the draft like you have done in the past because your hope is in the fact that you have a quarterback. And the other teams are still trying to find them. Of note, uh, you mentioned it. Houston has the second pick. Colts have the fourth pick. But the Titans have the 11th pick. Texans have the 12th pick also. So there's a lot of picks in the AFC South early. Yeah, and I think that there will be probably four quarterbacks taken in the top ten would be my guess. That's about right. Yeah, maybe even five. And if it goes five, that would uh, – and, and it may be five just outside of the top ten. But the guy that I I'm, I think is the best is, is C.J. Stroud. From Ohio, Ohio State. State. I mean, this guy has all the measurables. He can make every throw in the book. He is making a living in the pocket. And he's not a runner, Mm-mm. per se. No. And, and I've, I heard him – make some comments about how maybe he should run more. No. No, no. No. You're going to make a living in the National Football League by staying in the pocket and giving the football to guys that run a heck of a lot better than you. But he's got a a strong arm. He can make every throw. He's got accuracy. He's got experience under his belt. He's not a one-year wonder, so to speak. He's working with future and now current NFL receivers that were on his team in college, too. Yeah, I I think he's going to be hands down the pick in Carolina. I would be surprised if Bryce Young is the first overall pick just because when you have all of the tools, all of the measurables, and then from what I understand, I'm not in on these interviews, that he's got the, the character makeup to be the franchise guy. I mean, for me and from watching the film, he's the best. The games that I've seen in person at Ohio State, when he has that time, and even when he doesn't have time in the pocket, he kind of creates his own time in the pocket, just little subtle things. Subtle movements. But pinpoint accurate. If, when he's got the time, he doesn't miss. When when you want to evaluate, I think, elite talent, you always end up looking at how they play against the best opponents. And if you look at that Georgia game, oh, my goodness. I mean, he was on fire, on fire. Uh, the Michigan game, he was making some throws in that game that were just, are you kidding me? Yeah, you have the, to wind it back and go, yeah. are you serious? It was a nice touchdown throw right before halftime uh, to Marvin Harrison Jr. It was caught at the four, diving in for a touchdown. It was right Amazing on the money. throw. Incredible. And it was, what, like 50 yards down yeah. the field? Right, I mean, outside, in, outside in, the, the, the red line. Like right the on the sideline? Beautiful. It was ridiculous. And then a lot of the routine stuff, the routine throws, and, and I've said this before, 
the the really good quarterbacks make the easy throws look easy. And then they make some of the harder throws look, I don't want to say easy, but make it look like it's not that big of a deal. And he's got all the tools. And um, I think Frank Reich, that's going to be his guy. So here's the other part of the Bryce Young-Stroud argument. Stroud and Ohio State beat the hell out of almost everybody they played. Mm Mm-hmm. Alabama had to come back a bunch of times, and there were moments late in games in big games where Bryce Young had to turn it on and march his team down the field with without maybe his full assortment of weapons on the outside. The Iron Bowl against Auburn a couple of years ago comes to mind. They had no timeouts. It's like a minute 12 to go. They're down. they got to go the whole field and score a touchdown. And uh, the top receiver's out of the game. He got ejected earlier in the game. So he just finds – freshman receiver he finds a tight end who hadn't caught a ball all game they get a fourth down conversion he had that late game heroic moxie about him he's got um, and Bryce Young who we're talking about now I I have him as my second rated quarterback he does things that uh, are amazing in the pocket he's got a calm coolness about him that uh, there's never a moment that he just gets flustered or anxiety about he's just I mean he's he's uh, he's an ice cube and, yes, the measurables are, I think, uh, may turn some people off because he's 5'10", you know, and he's in the 180-pound range, which is not very big for quarterback standards in the NFL. And that's, bigger than Kyler Murray. Well, and one of the things that – reason I put C.J. Stroud, first of all, is the performance, but also number two is that sight lines. Sight lines are big in the National Football League. Okay, you've got to be able to see throws to make throws. And I love everything about Bryce Young. He's a pocket passer. He's not a runner. He does a great job of man- manipulating the pocket to uh, allow him to throw the ball downfield. When he does escape, he does a really good job of keeping his eyes down the field. Running is like the last option in his department. Does some really good decision-making. He's got incredible arm strength for a guy of his stature. When his feet aren't great, he can still make some throws that are like, wow, he just threw that one in his – he actually had his back foot that was in front. How did he make that? And he just still does. So he's impressive. Um, and if he were six foot three, I think it would be really difficult to figure out who would be the first pick or who I would put on the top of my quarterback board. But I, I think – uh, with the size, and uh, and also the other thing that I kind of factor in here, look, Alabama, even though you say they lost their best receiver, that team is absolutely loaded with talent. So is Ohio State for the most part. Oh, yeah, okay? absolutely. And so sometimes sure. it's hard to compare a guy that's playing at Ohio State and Alabama with a guy that might be playing at Kentucky. As we'll talk about here in a minute. Speaking of, uh, that's Jeff Lagerman, J.P. Shadrick with you. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. We're continuing a quarterback prospect discussion because some teams in the AFC South could go that direction in the top five of the NFL draft, the Texans and Colts, namely. So you think uh, you're thinking uh, Stroud number one, Young number two to Houston is your gut right now. Yeah, I I think that that's where it it could fall at. But maybe Houston is in love with somebody else. I don't know. Could it be uh, Levis, Will Levis from Kentucky? Hmm. Maybe. Uh, The one thing I do like about Levis, and I have him rated as number three. Why? 
He's got uh, he's got the the measurables, the height, weight. He's got the experience. He's been accurate. He's got a really tight, compact motion that uh, the ball gets out quick. Uh, he's got to work on some of his accuracy stuff because sometimes his feet get a little out of whack, and then all of a sudden he, he loses a little bit of accuracy when that happens. But uh, I like the way that he has been uh, uh, in a system. He's had couple years of success he does a great job of that intermediate range stuff you put him in a uh, with a Kyle Shanahan system I think he would be lights out eventually I think he's got a, so a really mean? high ceiling what do you mean by a Shanahan system what are some the ball's coming out quick you know because I he, I think he does a real good job with that compact motion and getting it out quick he's got some some accuracy that he can improve upon but I mean overall his accuracy has been pretty good He's got uh, the great sight lines. He's got the height. He uh, physically is uh, he's a grown man. And, uh, and he does a real good job of subtle movements in the pocket to buy extra time. And he does a, a reasonably good job of scrambling. Our next quarterback on the list, Hendon Hooker. Tennessee tore his knee up towards the end of the season. And he's a bit older. He's 25 years of age. He'll be 26 by the season. And that was a storyline all college season. There were a handful of older quarterbacks in the SEC. And uh, Hooker and the Vols were having a really great run until they showed up in Athens. and But they did have a, a fine rest of the season as well. Hooker really came on the scene, though, last year in Knoxville. Well, and and he's uh, he's been around a little bit now. And then when you're talking about a 25 year old, does that end up bringing him down a little bit on some grade grades? Just because okay, some people are looking at it as well. Has he already reached his ceiling? How much room for improvement is there? How much long is he going to be able to contribute to us? But I think the maturity factor of having a quarterback who's a little bit older coming in, I think, would help when it comes uh, when it comes to learning an NFL system and the maturity to handle some of that. Physically, he's got all the tools. I think his decision-making sometimes is a little slow. But uh, when he is making quick decisions, he's got great accuracy. He's got great arm strength. He's athletic. Sometimes he uses it a little bit too much. and he's, you know, Because if you look at Stroud and you look at Bryce Young, when they move, they move to, to find a way to get rid of the ball down the field. Sometimes with Hendon Hooker, he moves and then he's gone. He's taken off. And that's not sometimes the best for long-term health in the National Football League. But he's, he's, got a, he's got the arm strength. He's got the measurables. He's got the patience. He does a pretty good job of reading, but I think some of his decision-making has to speed up. Let's wrap our quarterback discussion with a guy from right down the road in Gainesville, Anthony Richardson. And this is the one that uh, will be – discussed I think up until draft night what kind of player will Anthony Richardson be can he be a quarterback does he have to play somewhere else is he moving up the ladder this high uh, I mean he had his pro day the other day they were all over TV with him and that's the big question mark he's a fantastic athlete can yeah. he be a fantastic quarterback well when you start when you have people that play the quarterback position the first word that comes out of scouts mouth what a great athlete that's to me, that's a knock, and that the first word you want to hear come out of evaluator's mouth is, "Boy, this guy can play quarterback." Because he he's a great quarterback. You know, Anthony Richardson is a great athlete. He is physical. 
and he's going to impress everybody in shorts and a T-shirt. I mean, the, he was made for the scouting combat. Oh, my gosh, yes, yes. yes. And he's when he runs the ball, he literally can push the pile for five or six or seven yards just because he's, he's so strong. And his accuracy, though, is not great. And his completion percentage, I think, is barely over 50%. And look, if you're fifty percent National Football League, you're not on a roster. You're not in the you're not in the National Football. Yeah, you're not on a roster. And look, I, I get that there are some exciting things about him that, because he can do some things physically. You're going to have to be willing to play a different style with an Anthony Richardson. You're going to have to play a game in which it's more similar to the college, where you're willing to use him as a runner or as a running threat. And I just don't I don't see longevity with that type of player being asked to do those type of things at the NFL level. So maybe he could become that, but I think the percentages are much lower with him as opposed to some of the others that we've talked about just because Anthony Richardson is a project in my mind. I mean, he may need two, three years to develop into a quarterback – but are you willing to take advantage of some of his other skill sets in the meantime while he's developing as a, as a thrower? Um, that could cost a lot of people their jobs in the meantime. That's the quarterback discussion from Jeff Lago. Next week, corners. Mm. That could be a Jaguars position in round one at number 24 overall. We're three weeks away from the NFL draft in 2023. It's in Kansas City this year. We're back in a moment. We'll go around the NFL next on Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. When Jaguars news breaks, you'll hear about it first on 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour Thursday afternoon. If you're watching us on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. First of all, thank you. Second, you're looking at the Miller Electric Center. A live look outside TIAA Bank Field. We are closing in on the opening. June uh, 30th? The last day of June. is that'd, that, be, that'd be great. Is when the keys get handed over and the team can start moving in. Well, I know a lot of people are working incredibly hard. And that's, uh, that's awesome. Kudos to, to the ones that are... And putting in the extra hours and putting in the hard work because it's going to be pretty amazing. It will be. I, I took a walk through there a few a couple weeks ago now, and uh, still a lot of work to be done. But they have made a lot of progress, and very soon you'll start seeing um, the grass go down and out of the bat cave. Growing. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, some of us. Well, yeah. yeah what I what I mean by that is that for years, the as as players and coaches, when you came in and come into the stadium still to this day, sometimes you don't see light until you leave the building again. That's right. Because there's very few windows, if any, and most of them are just basically on the weight room uh, that's currently that's right. in the stadium. But yeah. there's not a window anywhere else in any work environment. No, no meeting rooms, no. no staff offices. There's windows inside, but not to the outside world. Yeah. Yes. There's like two ticket windows, and they don't even use those There's anymore. a major vitamin D deficiency in here. Man, that glowing orb in the sky is bright when you come out of this so, place. 
it uh, I'm looking forward to that. I know all the staff is, is looking forward to it as well, and it's going to be a tremendous facility. One more Jaguars note before we move around the National Football League. Defensive tackle Corey Peters retiring after 12 years in the National Football League. Spent last season with the Jags. He started the year on the practice squad. And then as a veteran on the practice squad, that's been allowed over the last few years. And then worked his way up to the active roster. He was his started most, some games too. At the he end was of the his year. most impactful in Week 18, where he had seven tackles and two tackles for loss against Tennessee. But the last month and in the playoffs, he was big. Yeah, he's uh, look. He's had a great career. I mean, 12 years. When you get double digits in the National Football League, you've done something. And when you go beyond that as a big guy, that's impressive. Uh, Congratulations to him, and uh, wish him a, a great uh, next chapter of his life. A few notes from around the National Football League on this Thursday afternoon. Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill says he'll be the Chiefs' worst enemy when the Dolphins play them this season. And he also said he plans to retire following the 2025 season. That was all an appearance on Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. He wants to go for 10 years in the league logs. He said after he wants to go into the business side and wants to get into the gaming space. Yeah, He's creating a gaming team. He wants to sign different content creators and different athletes and all that. Yeah, and he said the, uh, there's going to be some announcements coming soon on mm. the gaming side of things. But uh, look. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody faster in the NFL still. No, no, he's probably still the fastest guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, and he's, uh, he's still a tremendous talent and – and you've, you mentioned, or he had mentioned the number, right? Ten. When I just got done talking about the magic numbers, ten. And yeah, he's, right. he's talking about making ten years and then doing something different. Well, I can tell Tyreek that you're probably not going to, and maybe he will, okay, but the opportunity of making the kind of money that he's making in the National Football League right now in other business or gaming, I mean, I hope he can do it. Who knows? Uh, Jaylen, Great player, though. Great player. Jalen Waddle might have the argument as uh, his teammate as being as fast as him, but that's another story. John Elway no longer with the Broncos. His consulting contract expired March 15th, the start of the league year. Of course, he was the GM and EVP from 11 to 21, and they hired uh, George Patton as the GM. Elway moved to a consultant role, and he's ready for a flexible schedule, he said. Yeah, good for him. Now, John's been incredibly successful in his uh, after-football career, I think he got involved with some uh, dealerships, I think, when he was a player. And then, obviously, working for the franchise, helped them bring a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning at the helm. So, uh, look, John Elway will always be affiliated with the Broncos. He may not be working in a direct capacity, but he will always have a role for the Broncos because he is part of the Broncos' history. Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter is declining visits with any team selecting outside the top ten, according to agent Drew Rosenhaus. Of course, he pleaded no contest to misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing last month in Athens, Georgia, connected with a fatal crash back in January. He got some probation time, $1,000 fine, community service, defensive driving course to go with it. Yeah, and some people may look at that as a negative because of that okay the the charges many people think that and probably i think this is, would be wise that if a team asked you to make an appearance outside of the top 10 maybe you should do that um, and look the reality is he's probably going to go in the top 10 but it just it does a little bit more to your pub, public persona 
by not turning away opportunities like that. And it also gives you an opportunity to meet some of the other personnel around the league because the reality is, look, the team that drafts you may not be the team that employs you for your entire career. So why would you not take the opportunity to meet some of the other players and coaches and personnel people around the National Football League? Because maybe at some point you're going to need them because the team that drafts you may decide that they don't need you. Former Cardinals executive and former Jaguars executive Terry McDonough in an arbitration claim filed to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has accused Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell of gross misconduct, including cheating, discrimination, and harassment. He maintained that uh, he and former head coach Steve Wilkes were left with no choice but to follow the owner's plan to use burner phones to communicate with the GM Steve Kime when he was serving a suspension. And there's a few other things, obviously, in this a whole story to go with that. Well, and uh, here's the disappointing thing, and and I think in that whole situation is that Terry makes the accusation. There's a process that uh, that happens, okay, with the commissioner presiding over that, okay. It's arbitration or whatever that's done in house. Well, the Cardinals chose to have a, a pretty personal response to McDonough. Yes which I thought was totally unprofessional, totally unnecessary, and it, and it reflected bad on the, on the Cardinals organization by making such a statement and making a commentary about Terry McDonough's personal life. And to me, that was unfortunate. And we finish with good news for Jaguars owner Shad Khan. According to a report from Forbes magazine, Khan's net worth has increased by an estimated $4.5 billion in the last year. An estimated net worth of $12.1 billion now. Among the richest owners in the league, the 148th richest in the world. Uh, which is Congratulations. Impre- which is way. impressive. And, yeah. you know, if, if, you, if you just look at the Jaguars franchise value, it was purchased. I don't, what was the number? Seven. About seven hundred and fifty. Yeah, seven hundred range. Okay. Yeah. Most NFL franchises are looking at minimum values of four and a half, four four and a half. I mean, so the increase of this franchise has been nearly four million, uh, or four. Excuse me, four billion. <laughs> I'm using the wrong letter there. <laughs> big difference. Yeah, that's a big difference. One letter, big but, difference. Uh, but yeah, that's that's impressive. He's worked hard. He certainly has. Uh, Thanks to our entire crew. Brent Reber on the video side. Joe Fortunato on the audio for Jeff Lagerman. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We will catch you next time. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.